know your shirt size and be able to accommodate you in that. Uh, last Sunday was Easter, and what a tremendous, tremendous uh, weekend. I tell you what, I've just, all week, I've just enjoyed remembering the great time we had here last week. And I started a series um, on, e- on Easter Sunday, the series called Survivor. And last week we dealt with, um, you know, how do you, how do you be a survivor? How, how do you survive life's challenges? How many of you have ever had a challenge in life? <laughs> if you don't raise your hand, you are not telling the truth, and we will give you the opportunity to pray about that here in a little while. Everyone faces challenges, right? You know, I mean, some people are facing a new challenge right now, um, a very aggravating challenge trying to drive north or south on Highway 75 out of downtown. You're right, you know, you, you get in that traffic. Um, we really don't, have you discovered this? We really don't handle traffic well in Tulsa. You know what I'm saying? It's like we don't have a lot of traffic. And so when we do have traffic, people get just a little goofy. You know, it brings out passion in all of us. You know, I mean, I I think about our driving experience here, and thankfully we don't have like an enormous traffic problem uh, for most of the city. Um, And I come from Houston, and traffic is just a way of life, right? You know, I mean, you just expect that it's going to take you a while to get there. You know, I have friends down there, a lot of friends, a lot of times we'll go down there during the winter, uh, February 1st of March, um, Houston, uh, they call it Rodeo Houston now. Uh, When I grew up, it was the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and I think that really is still the official name. But uh, they they live, my, my friends, they all live kind of in the north side of Houston, um, in an area called um, the Woodlands. It used to be a neighborhood, and it turned into a, a, a zip code. And, and they live there. And you're probably, I don't know, I guess probably 30, 35 miles from the stadium. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll take off work at 2 in the afternoon, and we'll leave the house. They're, they very rambunctious. says, we have to leave the house by 3.30 in order to get there by 7. And that's the truth. Uh, you're just going to sit in that much traffic. And um, on special nights of the rodeo, we just, they just rent a limo and let the limo guy drive us. You know, let him deal with it. But I mean, you're, you're, it's going to take you three and a half, four hours. And that's just kind of a way of life. But, but here in Tulsa, we don't, we don't have that. I mean, we drive four hours. We're in Kansas City, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean... You're going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, if you drive four hours from Tulsa, you're, you're arriving in another place, like a really far place, you know. And, uh, and, and that, that's great. But, boy, challenges. What, what do you do when you have a bad day? I mean, that's kind of the whole crux of this series is, is how do you survive a bad day or, or even a bad week or perhaps month? or perhaps a year, or perhaps decade. How do you overcome that? How do you overcome challenges? Especially if they, if they have a tendency to be protracted. Like you get into a circumstance and you, 
it kind of leaves you scratching your head. I, I, you know, Jesus found himself there at Easter weekend. There's a big emphasis on the fact that Jesus had a really bad day, crucifixion day, bad circumstance. I mean, in the crucifixion, then the whole scene from, from the time leading up to crucifixion to the crucifixion itself. Very, very, very bad time for Jesus. I mean, in the midst of all that, think about the human emotions that must have have just been off the charts. I mean, one day Jesus is being heralded as the one who is coming. Blessed be the one. And rides in what is called the triumphal entry. Rides in in triumph. He's on top of the world, right? Something's pinging. There's a traitor among his closest followers. Something's, something's tapping there's a storm on the horizon, and, and Jesus goes through the heartache of betrayal. Someone who was one of his closest friends, <laughs> and he suffers through that. Have you ever been betrayed? It can be a really bad day. Matter of fact, betrayal can set you up for a, a bad season bad season, people say things that hurt, and it sticks with you. The childhood proverb is not true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There's been a lot of circumstances, a lot of challenging circumstances in my life that I would have taken the sticks and the stones, because those bruises heal quicker than the challenge of trying to get over that betrayal that could sometimes last, it seems like, forever. Jesus faced his bad day, and the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12.2, he says, for us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus didn't enjoy the cross, but there was a joy inside of him knowing that it didn't end there. That it didn't end there. That, that something better is coming. Something better is, is on its way. And we talked last week about one key to becoming a survivor is to learn the art of endurance. Jesus endured the cross. He endured the cross. Didn't enjoy it. He endured it. I think there is something to be said that when you get into a challenging situation, you you just have to learn to endure. But then we are left with the question, how do I do that? How do I do that? How, how do I 
endure this week, today, and the next two Sundays. I'm going to talk about, and there's probably more, but for us, I'm going to talk about three keys to endurance. Three keys to endurance. How, how do I endure this bad time, this bad season? How do I endure this bad moment in my life? A big key for us to be a survivor. And, and, and you know, you kind of think about the show Survivor just for a moment. And I don't want your mind to, like, get hung up there. But just think for a moment that those who, who go after the prize and the show Survivor, and, and they have to endure a lot of stuff, right? And, and, and you know, there's just something about, about the show that I think, again, mirrors our lives and the challenges that we face. And it is simply this. If you're going to be a survivor, you have to surround yourself with the right team. You have to surround yourself with the right team. Matter of fact, if you want to survive and then ultimately thrive, it's very important, you can't do life alone. You can't do life alone. Now, I know that there are times that being alone is a good thing. Even Jesus went out away from the crowds and prayed, right? And so there are moments that I think that we have to reflect, moments of reflection, moments of life meditation, that we have to step back from from the scene just for a minute, turn the noise down just for a minute, and, and... and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the coming sermons. But, but here is a cautionary word about, about the feeling or the desire to be alone. And it is simply this, that being alone or becoming isolated cannot become a lifestyle. It just can't become a lifestyle. Every one of us at times in our life would just love... To live on an island. Am I the only one in the room that would love it? Uh, love to live on an island. I was watching this show last night. This dude is making islands out of floating islands out of, um, of empty plastic bottles. Build an entire house. And he just can take, <laughs> he can just take his island. Wherever he wants to go. You know, Jimmy Buffett sings, take the weather with you. This guy takes his island with him. You know, and, and, and just like to just be on an island. But, but island living, especially if you are a castaway all by yourself, and the only thing you have to talk to is a Wilson ball. Island living is not a good thing. Being alone all by yourself is not a good thing. Matter of fact, Genesis 2.18, a verse that we, we rehearsed in another series this year, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So, I mean, here is this very relational God who created man in his image and then recognizes after the creation of this man that 
that dude is alone, and that's not good. It's not good. And I think that that same thing, understanding that within the DNA of every human being, there is this relational component that you and I are supposed to be together with others in community, that we are supposed to live our lives not as an island, not as an isolationist. We are to live our lives in such a way that we have connection with people. Here at Triumph, we call it connect with others, that that there is this important component that we must never forget. I think that's why we struggle with people who who become hermits, who, who become so isolated from everyone else, so isolated from the world, that they literally withdraw themselves into their own cocoon and they're they're just they're isolated and we struggle with that because something is pinging on the inside of every one of us that knows something's not right something's not right about that we and we know instinctively we know that something's not right with someone who completely withdraws themselves from everyone else and lives in this sequestered island of a, of a world to them own. Where aloneness becomes a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. See, I mean, when we go back to Genesis again and we read the story of the fall into sin of Adam and Eve, I, I think that we, we could really we could really say that Adam and Eve had a really bad day. But through that story, we see God's relational image revealed. Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the wrong tree and fell into sin. But listen to God's response to that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. So I hid. See, challenging times, challenging days can can cause us to want to hide and, and we, we see something about the relational image of God that when man was at his lowest, when man was at this place where all I want to do is hide that God himself walked in that place and called him out come out from behind that partition wall you have placed in your life come out from that place of, of hiding It's very revealing to me first to recognize that when man had the worst of worst days that God showed up. I think it's important for us to recognize that when we have our worst days, the the number one member of our team, this relational team that helps us get back on our feet, the number one member of that team is God himself. I mean, I think it's good for you to hear today that God is on your side. I think it's good 
for you to hear today that you don't need to run and hide, especially from God. I think it's good for you to hear somebody tell you today that everything's going to be all right because God's not going to let you down. God is on your team. And I I think that's hard for some people. They struggle with that because they have these images of God that, that God is out to get them or that, or that God doesn't like them or, or, that, or that God um, maybe has forsaken them. Mankind had its worst day. And on mankind's worst day, God showed up and said, come out here. I need to, I need to talk with you. And there is a team in every one of our lives that can help us keep it together and overcome any challenge. Now I was, I was studying this, and, and I, I, I've certainly, I certainly believe in what I've already said and, and, and have tried with everything I have in pastoring and in my own life, live to this reality that the Word of God says that that God will never leave us, that God will never forsake us. But I recognize when we face bad days, how many of you would be, would be willing to admit with me, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand just in your heart, but, but you would admit with me today that, man, there's a lot of times I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm so alone that God isn't even there. You know, it's kind of like the Job. It's kind of like, the Job thing, where, where Job is saying, I can't find God. I'm looking every direction, and I can't find God. But then Job lighted on the revelation of, of, of God's involvement with mankind. And Job then said, but I know God knows where I am. I know God knows where I am. I think this can be very discouraging in our lives if we allow our faith to slip off of this reality that even if you can't feel him right now, even if you can't see him right now, even if you don't understand and everything is cloudy and everything is foggy and you feel like you're all alone, that even God himself isn't there. I think it's healthy for you to remember his word says he won't leave you. His word says he won't forsake you. His word declares that he's not going to eject himself off of your team. Therefore, rest in that faithful understanding that although I may not be able to see God right now, I know he sees me. I've even, I've even prayed prayers like that. I mean, been moments in my life of discouragement, of rejection, of pain. There have been moments in my life where, where I couldn't see God or feel God the way perhaps even that I had at one time. And I've prayed prayers like, I don't know where you are in all of this, but I know you know where I am. The understanding that God is on your team. But then I... I you know, I don't know, studying this, it's it sort of kind of, a, kind of a new thought. It's sort of a revelatory thought, maybe a, maybe, a, um, maybe a slight shift in my theology concerning what happened with Adam and Eve. 
Because I see that here's Adam and Eve, and God gives them a good talking to. He gives the serpent a good talking to. And then the Bible says that God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, right? That God drove them out of the garden. And then he put angels at the entrance of the garden with flaming swords. And I've always kind of glossed over the reason why he drove them out of the garden was because he didn't want them to eat of the tree of life in their fallen state. In this sinful state, he didn't want them to eat of the tree of life and, and have eternal life and be, e, e, and be eternally fallen, right? He, he, he drove them out of the garden to get them away from that tree. But I, through the years, have, and this is like that shift in theology thing, I've, I've said that a little different through the years, and I, I, have, I have to change it today. You know, new revelation, you say, oh, okay, well, I changed my mind on that. I, I would say this, that God drove them from his presence. And I realized in my study this week that God, in fact, did not drive them away from his presence. That God drove them away from that tree because God did not want them to be eternally fallen. But when Adam and Eve left that garden, God went with them. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Well, I know that God showed up at the sacrifices of their children. God even had a conversation with Cain about his brother and about his brother's sacrifice. So it's not like God stayed over here in the garden and said, y'all get on out of here. And I'm going to stay here. And I think a lot of people live their life, they feel like, well, I've committed sin, or I've done that, or I've had this disappointment, or I have this. And we feel like that we're being driven out of the presence of God. No, we're not being driven out of the presence of God. God's going with us. That's why his word can declare to you that I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. God continued to work with people. He found a way to find a Noah, right? He found a way to find an Abram who became Abraham. He found a way to find a Joseph. And, and he found a way to, to find a Moses and a David. He found a way. And God continued to work with people. Then we see in the life of Jesus Christ that God would, would be manifest in the flesh. He would be revealed in the flesh of Christ. And the first thing we see Christ doing is... Building community, getting people together, surrounding himself with disciples and others. Proving one more time that even when you goof up, Peter, even when you goof up, I'm still with you. God is still with you. He is an important, an important part of your team. Romans 8 reveals dramatically to us these things. In verse 35 it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Rhetorical question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble 
or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Man, all of those things constitute a bad day. <laughs> if you think about that list, trouble, T-R-O-U-B-L-E, trouble, hardship, Persecution, fame and nakedness, danger, sword. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Whoa! Gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's the way it makes you feel. And he said, man, when you have a bad day, does that separate you from the love of, of Christ? Does it? Does it? When you face stuff that you don't want to face, does that mean that God has forsaken you? That God has resigned as your team captain? And he says this in 36 verse, As is written, for your sake we we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. Man, that's a bad day. But I love the first word of the 37th verse. No. Let me answer the rhetorical question. Who shall separate us? Can anything separate us? Can trouble separate us? Can hardship, can persecution, can famine, can nakedness, can danger, can sword, can facing death, can being, can being considered a, a, a sheep? being led to the slaughter. Can any of these things separate us? Can a bad day separate us from the love of God? No! No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In all of these things, even while you're going through it, you're still a conqueror. Why? Because you're coming through it. You're not, your bad day's not going to last forever. That's why you don't eat the tree of life when you're having a bad day. Your bad season's not going to last forever. I've been in one or two that I thought would. Or three or four or five or ten are compounded to a point that I can't even number them. I thought, man... When's this going to be over? When, when am I going to stop hurting? You know, there's situations right now while I'm preaching this to you. There's situations in my life that I still feel the sting. I still feel the sting. I think, when's this going to stop stinging? When, when, when am I finally... When am I finally just going to be able to get over it, you know, and, and move on, move past it? Then I have to remind myself that God is on my team. And that this circumstance is not eternal because I'm not eating that tree. I'm not eating from that tree while I'm in this situation. I mean, wouldn't that kind of be bad to wake up with the headache and, and, it, and it not be a seasonal thing? Like an eternal headache? 
Now, some of you think that your marriage is that way, and we're going to probably teach on that here not too long from now, help you out a little bit. You think maybe your relationship with your family might feel that way, or maybe even the situations at your occupation right now, things that are weighing heavily on you and and makes you just want to isolate, makes you just want to build walls and These verses tell us that I am convinced in the 38th verse that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, nor anything else in all creation. Let me give you a great word of advice. The only thing listed there is ourself. So let me, the only thing that, that's not listed is ourself. So let me give you a great word of advice, and it is simply this don't kick Jesus off your team. Rest in this foundational understanding that. that Nothing in all of creation can separate you from his love. And so stay with him. Because he loves you that much. Now, in all that I have said concerning isolation, I end with these words. When we are having a bad day, God is still for you. And you cannot be separated from his love. But I also want you to see that people are on your team as well. People. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. When you separate yourself from people, when you make up your mind that you're just going to do life alone, you forfeit the benefit of other people's grace gifts. God has imparted gifts to each one of us. Not for our own consumption. God has imparted gifts to each one of us so that we can use those gifts to benefit other people. To be there for them. There is a heartbeat inside of me that wants to help people understand that we need to surround ourselves with the right team. Now this is important. Very important. I said surround yourself with the right team. When we are surrounding ourselves with people, there are two kinds of people that show up in trouble. There's probably more, but two that I want to talk about. Two kinds of people that I want to talk about when trouble comes knocking on your door. The first group of people, and these are the not-so-healthy people for you, are people that I call sympathizers. All right? Sympathizers. You know, somebody that when you're having a bad day and you tell them you're having a bad day, then they in turn tell you about their bad day. 
know what I'm saying? They, they'll, they'll do things like, you'll go to them and say, man, I just don't really know. I just feel all of this going on in my life. And they'll go, I know, I feel the same way. I know what you're talking about. I don't think either one of us are going to make it. Cleveland. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, I'm safe to say this to this crowd. I was a little concerned about it in first church. It's like if you got a tear in your beer, don't sit down at the bar with someone that's crying in theirs. You know what I'm saying? That's a song, right? It's like when you're having a really bad day, don't don't position yourself with, with just surround yourself with people who offer sympathy. Because none of you are going to get out of the ditch, right? Everybody, everybody is, is in the same ditch at that point, right? You say, Pastor, who do I need? Well, the Bible says that there, are, there, there is a gift of encouragement. A gift of encouragement. I mean, what we really need in our lives is people on our team that know how to encourage us. Encouragers. Not sympathizers, but encouragers. Somebody that can look at you eyeball to eyeball and say, you know, I know exactly what you're going through. And I'm telling you, God's going to bring you out of this. We're going we're to see you through this. We're going to be here for you. We're going to hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. We're going to help you walk. We'll even carry you if we have to. But we're going to get you across the finish line. People in your life that will speak life and not death. You know, the Bible says that there's power of life and death in the tongue. People in your life that while you're crying, they're putting their arm around you and saying, Come on. You can survive this. Don't, Don't throw in the towel now. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. People in your life that can, that can speak a word to you that when you walk away from that, you don't feel like, man, I've just been in the, I've been in the, in the hog pen with everyone. No, when you walk away from that conversation, you feel like something, something has changed, that something in your heart feels like it just might be okay because it is going to be okay. We're not going to eat from the eternal life tree on the worst day of our life. We're, we're not going to set that circumstance into a stone of eternity. No, you're coming through this. You need to have some people in your life that can help you realize that. You need to have people in your life. You've got to be surrounded by the right team. You've got to be surrounded by the right team. Would you stand with me? You know what? You know what gives me? You know what gives me a heart? It, it, something that gives me a heart is this: that that when Jesus was on the cross, he could look down and he could see John, and he could see his family, he could see his mom. He could he could look down, and there were people that were with him, even though a lot of people went into hiding. But they didn't stay in hiding. This is the thing. is that the cross didn't last forever. That Jesus rose and they assembled back together. And they did something powerful with Jesus. Ultimately, although there was one member of Jesus' team that 
betrayed him, there was 11 others that really stood with him. And I have a feeling there's people in your life that will stand with you. And if you, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't feel like you have that, I, I pray that we, we cultivate a culture of that in our church, especially since one-third of our ministry vision is for people to connect with others. Join a connect group. Get involved with the, with the dream team. Get involved with the team. Get involved with someone that's, that's, that's being productive. And, and whatever you do, don't, don't do life alone. We weren't meant to be alone. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that something that I have said in this house would strike a chord in someone's heart that may be facing a bad day. And I just pray with all of my heart for them right now that they would that they would recognize that as they are enduring that there's a group of people and there's certainly a God that is on their side that's on their team rooting for them believing in them I pray that they would see it today that they would not be in hiding I pray in the name of Jesus that they would not hide I pray in the name of Jesus that they would come out and they might have to face a day but I'm praying Lord that they recognize that that day is not an eternal day. It's just a momentary thing. It's a season. It's a bad day. I'm asking you right now to bring that kind of strength into people's lives. In Jesus' name. If you keep your heads bowed for a second. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start. I want to make a commitment or a recommitment to Christ in my life. I want to start fresh today with the Lord. Would you just slip a hand up? I am not going to call you out. I am not going to embarrass you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, would you pray with me as if you raised your hand, would you pray with me as well? And we're going to pray with you so that no one's embarrassed here or called out. Would you pray, Father, I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. And I today am declaring Jesus Christ as my Lord. I pray for your forgiveness. And I ask that you would save me. I ask that you would give me a fresh start. Even right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, let's clap our hands to the Lord because that's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. In a few moments. We're going to have our prayer team come forward.